Friday on the BWI Daily Edition means Ryan Snyder. He's here to give you a recruiting update. It was a big weekend last weekend for Penn State football recruiting. And, of course, give you some guys to watch, some updates of the guys that are currently committed and in high school. We're going to do all of that, plus one of my favorite segments, Ryan Snyder's Best Bets. And we'll be getting to that at the end of the show. Of course, we always preview the Penn State game. And if you need something to make Villanova a little more interesting, and you know what? I've been talking this game down all week long. And it's going to be a great game just because I've done that all week, Ryan. I, I just, I know it. Phil, that was put up some points this year, man. That's the one thing I've learned. I think they're averaging like 45 points a game, I believe. Now, obviously, it's against uh, inferior opponents, Lehigh, uh, Richmond was one. Yeah. Uh, but they can put up some points. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, I think that maybe kind of hints at maybe what my uh, my take will be this week. But we'll we'll get to that at the end. So we got that coming up, and of course, we're going to start with some recruiting news, and Ryan is our insider. Blue White Illustrated, if you want to check out uh, the website, we have stuff there. Uh, that's Some of it's free, but to get the really good stuff, to know the, know the, the stuff that's on the inside, you need to be a subscriber to Blue White Illustrated, and that's what Ryan has over on our Lion's Den premium board. But we got a couple things we can talk about today, and I know you mentioned some of this on your recruiting podcast with Greg Pickle. What are some of the names? What are some of the things that were coming out of the whiteout last weekend versus Auburn? Yeah, sorry, I got people, uh, sources actually texting me right now. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them in a little <laughs> did bit. Did you just Adam uh, no. Schefter me? Did you I just get, you got news on I camera? It. That's it's, it's awesome. Nothing, 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 nothing major. We'll talk I'll, about it later on. I'll take um, it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So, we'll, Obviously, this was a crazy list this past week, and Greg and I hit on uh, a lot of the top guys that were there, you know, almost 50 some uh, uncommitted scholarship players that were there. That was pretty much the deepest list since uh, 2018. I, I, I think it was maybe the, the most talented list. When I went back and looked at that 2018 Ohio State list, there were some really elite caliber players, but as far as total uh, scholarship worthy guys, uh, th this was the most I had. But you know, we kind of hit on that a little earlier in the week. So what I wanted to do uh, today was kind of look at maybe some of the those scholarship guys who are getting overlooked a little bit. Uh, guys okay. who, you know, we're talking about Tamir Robinsons all the time. We're talking about Josiah Trotters and uh, the Roddy Gallagher's, you know, all those those elite guys. Uh, they, they get a lot of uh, attention. We've we've hit on them. You and I, what, you know, three, four times now, it feels yeah. like so. Uh, today, I, I thought it was good to maybe look at a few scholarship guys who were going uh, under the radar a little bit, and I'll, I'll just get right into it if, if that's cool with you. Uh, sure, absolutely. First guy, really, I, I think Penn State fans really kind of need to start focusing on a little bit more is linebacker Tony Rojas. Um, we have him at 6'3", 205. He's from Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, this was Tony's second visit. Uh, he came in the summertime, and um, don't don't believe he worked out. I think it was just a, no, no, he did work out. Excuse me. He did work out for the staff at a camp uh, because that's where I got these testing numbers from that I'm about to share. Uh, four, five, second, 40, a 4.2 second shuttle and a triple jump that uh, surpassed 30 feet. Uh, Those are all great numbers. Awesome numbers. Yeah. yeah. And so when you look at his uh, scholarship uh, list so far, you know, he's, he's under 10 and a lot of people have been asking, you know, why, why if he's so important, why hasn't uh, more schools offered him? And and what I keep coming back to is, one, uh, he hasn't camped really uh, too many other schools. I believe Virginia Tech got him on for a camp. 
And I think maybe the other one was like East Carolina or something like that. And there might be one other I'm, I'm not thinking about at the moment. But uh, it's also important to remember that Virginia didn't really have a true season last year. And then mm-hmm. I think he played six games in the spring. And even the spring season in Virginia was kind of a mess. Uh, but when I went back and looked at that, all of his film really is wide receiver and defensive end. So there's very little film of him playing linebacker. And I think as more schools see his updated film and then, you know, obviously do, do some more digging on, on some measurable stuff. Uh, I could see more offers coming in. So, uh, but, but I'll, I'll also add that I think Penn state's in a very good spot at the moment. I think they probably are the team to beat. And I don't know if there's going to be a, an early commitment or anything like that, but all signs right now point to Penn State here and how deep this linebacker board is so deep in 2023. Uh-huh. I just don't be surprised if maybe he or Phil Pixiotti, who we've talked about him a little bit. I'm not going to discuss him today, but those two right now kind of give me the impression that they could potentially be the first linebackers to commit. And, you know, if all goes well, they could maybe take four linebackers in the 2023 class. That'd be maybe a little higher, three or three, I think would be the preferred number, but. There's a lot of deep talent here, and, and, and Tony Rojas is someone pan, fans need to pay attention to. That's a, a huge reversal from the last couple of years where Penn State has been scratching and clawing to find a linebacker to add to their classes. So getting a, a class with that sort of size and, as you describe, a lot of uh, depth there, that'd be a huge thing for Penn State. Uh, this is something that I, I don't know if, and I, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know if you can truly answer, but it's an interesting thought. <laughs> Because it was the whiteout and because it was a win and all of those things, how important is that? But in the light of it wasn't Ohio State, Michigan, or a traditional Big Ten East or a Big Ten team. Does the mm-hmm. team matter? Does Do the stakes and all those things matter the same way uh, with it being Auburn? Or does it just mean the environment and the game and the atmosphere and all those things? Yeah, the second, the environment, the game, the atmosphere are, I'd say, 80% of it. Okay. And look, Auburn's still Auburn. You know, that's sure. still an SEC team who, uh, yeah, sure, they might not be considered an SEC favorite this year, but uh, that's a brand name. I mean, uh, all, all you had to do was was walk around Beaver Stadium and see all the big time. I mean, there were a ton of Auburn fans there. Uh, they, you know, they travel well. They are a major respected name. And one of these guys I'm going to hit on here. Uh, is actually actually let's just get into him now. We'll 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 do Kobe Keenum. He he was the second guy I was going to discuss here, um, as far as some some players who I think are going overlooked a little bit. So Kobe, uh, as I was hinting there, he grew up a diehard Auburn fan. His sister actually attends Auburn, uh, huh? and I learned that she came for the trip. Uh, just from talking to some some sources and contacts, I like uh, you know I know they had fun with that uh, in the in the recruiting lounge before the game, and you know just joking around with her, having a fun time, of course. Uh, but but the the big thing with with Keenum is that Ohio or excuse me Ohio State Auburn hasn't offered yet, and okay. the longer they hold off on on offering him, I think it's going to put Penn State just in a better position uh, at the longer it goes. So right now, I, I think Penn State may be the favorite with him. And he's very close friends with Alex Birchmar. I saw him on the sidelines three or four times throughout the uh, throughout the pregame, and every time he was with Birchmar, joking, you know, following him around. Alex was introducing him to other people. Yeah, you could tell that there's a there's a genuine relationship there. One that's uh, you know not just uh, you know getting to know him because Alex is recruiting him. You know, I could I could see those guys uh, you know building building a real real kind of friendship. And and Penn State 
people have have told me that that they have kind of built that friendship. So yeah. he, he's a guard or center at the next level. I, I missed on this. Or he's six four, two eighty five, Mars Hill Bible School in Florence, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Always try to like to get get that uh, info out there. So just another guy that I think's um, going over the radar or going under the radar a little bit, and and wouldn't be surprised at all if you know maybe he comes back for a junior day in january or or early next spring he's back on campus and i also wouldn't be surprised if his offers blow up but i I could see him being an early commitment for penn state and look they they need the guards and center that's important but with alex already committed uh they'll start shifting their focus a little bit more towards tackle so if he were to jump on board uh, or he has a reason, I guess, to jump on board a little earlier with Alex committed and then the yeah. staff really wanting to get a couple couple tackles on board. It's it's interesting getting to see the different places Penn State has gone to with the transfer portal in Harvard and Juco with Lackawanna and then just getting a, a read on the guys that Phil Tra- Troutwine, the body types, the types of players that he's interested in bringing into the program. And one thing that I've noticed is that they are very much traditional sized and mentality offensive lineman and and you noted in some of your notes here for the show 31 inch arms already so like a little shorter for the position but if you expect him to grow that's good sized and that's those are all good dimensions for an interior offensive lineman have you noticed that trend like when you look at some of these metrics and what you've seen on uh the recruiting breakdowns yeah i don't expect to see, see too many ryan bates kind of playing tackle you know yeah. what I mean? Like they, yeah. they def, uh, that seems to be something that the trout line's definitely prioritizing. So I, I, I definitely agree with that. Who's the, the next guy you want to bring up of somebody who's under the radar that needs to get mm-hmm. a little more love today. Yeah. Cam Wenhart, uh, six, three, two twenty from IMG Academy in Florida. Now look, he's a rivals two fifty prospect. So he's very much, uh, has the attention of scouts and, and, um, you know, and, and schools, uh, but I, I guess maybe why I'm stressing him is because a couple months ago, I was unsure if Penn State was pursuing him as high as his rating and, and rankings kind of suggested. And the one thing I've really learned uh, over the over the past you know week or so is that Penn State really loves this kid. Uh, and as they should, uh, he, he came up here earlier this summer, had a great visit, no testing numbers or anything like that. I don't think they 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 need that for him. Uh, and I thought maybe that was one thing that they they did and. You know, I, I wanted to learn the last couple of days that uh, that's that's certainly not the case. So if you look at his offer sheet, 12 offers so far, uh, Indiana, Miami, Michigan, uh, Tennessee, West Virginia have offered. Uh, and he's from Staten Island. I, I believe I mentioned that uh, if not, but he, he's definitely a northeast guy. So uh, unlike a lot of those IMG players who are out west or down south somewhere, right. he, he has a lot of ties uh, to, to the northeast. So, you know, just getting him back on campus for a second visit, I don't just from my early talks with him, I don't see him as being somebody who would commit early. Uh, but, but I do see him, especially when I am, when IMG ends at season, it's a lot easier for him to travel. Right. Uh, of course, IMG travels all over the place. So he's usually getting back, you know, early Saturday from an away game or something like that. You know, for example, for, for this game, he left Tampa, you know, early Saturday, got to flew to New York city, didn't get there to like one and then didn't get into state college until about five ish. Uh, so he he didn't get to take in all the pregame stuff as as normal. Now he was out on the field and all that, but usually yeah. they like to try and you know meet with the coaches a couple hours before the game. He wasn't able to do all that, but uh, just just a a guy who you know we we talked about a lot of other defensive ends and 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 different offense or defensive tackles, and he'll definitely be a defensive end. Uh, he's actually playing linebacker more so for IMG Academy at the moment. But uh, another you know, one of those. I, 
Yeah, yeah, we, we well, I just he's somebody I, I feel like I haven't maybe talked about enough, and you know, just from digging after this uh, after this whiteout game, I, I've learned that he is very high on their board and someone that they would love to get uh, get committed sooner than later. I don't do I don't see that really happening in in the near future, but uh, you know, once he gets back for a couple of junior days, he'll, he'll be somebody to watch. The pursuit and the interest is, is is real there, and that means that you know, as you just said, we all should take that a little more seriously because. Uh, that's how that that's how that works, right? You have to be seriously interested before we really can get excited about something like that. Okay, so we got one more guy, right? So who who do you have? And I believe it's a, uh, a different. It's two players or I one? Two. So two. it's teammates. Okay. Teammates. Okay. Johnny Shakir, a wide receiver, and and Khalil Ali, a safety. They're both from Pennsauken, New Jersey. I believe is how we pronounce it. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. It's probably and, like uh, Pennyfield. Pancha <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hawken. Uh, yeah, Penisaukin, I think, is how I'll say it. And uh, I'm sure someone will correct me in our YouTube comments. But uh, th- this is kind of similar to Cam Lenhart in, in the fact that they got offers very early in the process. I think, actually, April 2020 was when these guys uh, both got offers. So they, they've had uh, offers from Penn State for well over a year now. And they've developed good relationships and all that. And, and it, it was clear, I would say, last fall uh, that, that they were very high on Penn State. We'll say mm-hmm. that. What wasn't what wasn't clear is if if Penn State's gonna you know put the put the pedal to the metal I guess and, and go all out in, in in recruiting them and trying to get them commit I, I was kind of under the impression that Penn State wanted to to see their film early in the season uh, I know they wanted to, to get them on campus to camp I don't I don't actually I gotta double check on that I'm not sure if they camped or not I don't I don't believe so I know they visited but I, I don't remember if they camped or not but Long story short, here from what I've again, what I've gathered is, is through their first couple of games, uh, Penn State's very happy with what mm-hmm. they've seen from from both. Uh, I know uh, Shakir, I believe he's up to 283 yards receiving, three touchdowns in three games, putting up some some solid numbers there. I don't have uh, defensive numbers for Khalil Ali, but I know Penn State's really happy with his film so far. So you know, just just from their early visits and and how much they've uh, pos- how positive they've been about Penn State. Uh, over the last six, seven months, uh, these are two guys that I could see potentially being a package deal. And I hate talking about package deals in recruiting. Right. We, right. we, we, I know f- with fans and even to myself, to some degree, uh, we, we talk about that probably way more than we should, especially early in, in recruiting processes. But uh, all signs really make sense here for potentially both of these guys being nearly lines down the road. And again, just the big takeaway was, you know, I thought these were guys that maybe Penn State wanted to see their whole season for and then make a decision. And uh, already a couple of games in, I'm getting indications that Penn State's really happy with what they see from both, and they're going to start really pushing hard. Sounds like it's a, a little bit of a different situation where it's not a brother or a friend and trying to get no. the big fish. It's both these guys seem like they're they're mm-hmm. good quality prospects, and then whether or not they want to bring both of them on. So for that for them, it sounds like they've had a good start to the season, uh, yep. and that that is. Uh, if both players are good or if, do you think that would be so get into the package part, would that cause a problem? Do you think if one of them was offered and the other wasn't, do you think Penn State will hold off until they can decide? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, we've seen that before. Definitely. We've seen that before. Yeah. I never, you know, both of them got offers so early in the process that I never really had to question it. You know, they, like I said, I, I think they both were offered around April, 2020. I know, I believe, Khalil was definitely offered around then, and I believe Ajani, if he wasn't the same time, was not too far after. I believe they were both at the same time. So I don't think it's going to matter, though. It just Penn State seems really happy with both of these players. They're yeah. both really 
uh, excited about Penn State. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it back for even two more games this year. I'd be, I'd be surprised, actually, if they don't come back for at least one, potentially two more games. I'm sure we'll see them for a junior day in January. And then you're already talking about, you know, five, six visits in the span of six months. And when you, when you see something like that, that, that usually means good things. So it's a non-conference home game, which means Ryan Snyder is going to be jetting around the Northeast looking at football jetting. players <laughs> to, uh, yeah, you're, ta- you're taking your, well, I, I don't know how fast you drive. Maybe it's getting close to jet speed. I don't know. <laughs> My wife would say it's too fast, but yeah, go on. Uh, you, you, you're going around uh, looking at different prospects and, and taking some games in, in person, uh, and you're going to see a big one this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, two, well, I've already seen LaSalle. Well, I'm going to LaSalle McDonough down in Baltimore. Uh, I was hoping to see Abdul Carter play against Bishop McDevitt to start the year, and I think we've talked about this a couple of times. I, got, I get there, and he was suspended. Or, excuse me, not suspended. I shouldn't have said that. I, I thought he may have been. Uh, but he wasn't. I believe he actually had a, a hamstring injury. At first, okay. I thought, because he was out and, and their star running back, Sam Brown, were out. And I'm like, why are these two guys out? So right. I assumed it was maybe that. But I do want to clarify, that's not true. They, I believe they were both uh, minor injuries. So anyway, they missed the McDevitt game, and now they're back. And, and LaSalle's cr- cruising, man. They're 4-0 on the year. Wins over Bishop McDevitt, Malvern Prep, and Emetep Charter. McDonough's one and two on the year. They've been missing deny for a couple games. They lost to Gonzaga and uh, one other one. I forget exactly who, but they did get their first win against St. Mary's last week. And uh, you know, this is just a this is a perfect matchup. This is deny Dennis Sutton versus uh, Abdul Carter. Whenever yeah. you get two Penn State players against each other, you have to go to those to those games. But it's not just those two. You know, Penn State has already offered uh, Mason Robinson, defensive end for twenty twenty three. They've offered uh, Antonio Tripp for 2023. You know, both guys are uh, – listen, McDonough didn't play at all last year. So these are definitely two players that Penn State wants to watch film for. And it's not right. really anything negative on them. They just need to see film. You know, they, these, they last played as uh, as freshmen. So uh, they, well, I'll be curious <laughs> to watch them. So and, uh, just and a couple minor the, changes right. in, in, in human males between the ages of like 14 and 17. Yeah. Just a couple. Just a, just a couple things, yeah. Uh, but one other name I want to throw out there for Penn State fans, he's a freshman, 2025 wide receiver. It's uh, Jeff Exner Jr., I believe. Uh, I just know he's having a really uh, good start to his freshman year, and I think he's going to end up being the next in line at McDonough uh, that Penn State pushes hard for, uh, number 12 wide, wide receiver, yeah, uh, and he's a, he's a freshman. So he's another guy I'll be watching hard. Uh, and yeah, just just excited to see Abdul Carter. We everybody, you know, we've talked about Denai a ton. Uh, he's playing defensive tackle. He played well in that first game. A handful of uh, tackles for loss, I believe, in his most recent game. Now they blew St. Mary's out, so I don't believe he played much in the second half. I believe mm-hmm. he once again had uh, three or four tackles for a loss. I believe one of them was a sack. Um, so so we yeah, I feel like I know what to expect from from Denai. Uh, Abdul's the one I kind of am a little bit more curious to see here. Uh, I know he's playing well so far this year, but just kind of seeing how much he's progressed and, you know, everything from reading guards to pass coverage, uh, we, we can go on. I mean, you've talked about it a ton. Linebacker is such a hard position to play. Yeah. So just, just seeing his progression and, and seeing if he's a little uh, quicker, uh, you know, to, to diagnose plays, that's kind of been his one negative, if there is. I mean, he's a great prospect, don't get me wrong, but if there's one yeah. thing I, I think you've mentioned and, and I've mentioned is just diagnosing plays, taking it from, uh, you know, 
a second or two to a half a second and and, and knowing uh, where, where the ball's going. Because if he can figure that out and keep proving on it, man, he's going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, yeah, and unlocking all of those unreal physical traits. I, I have a, mm-hmm. a, a good friend of mine, actually, or a friend of mine from college, uh, Bob Long. He actually covers LaSalle. And I he's, met Bob. Oh, you met Bob. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Bob and I were in. Uh, if you're if you're in the Penn State College Com, we are really getting narrow down in the audience here. Uh, <laughs> Com Radio. He and I were in Com Radio together, which is a is a club at Penn State, and uh, he actually has a a business where he he does the LaSalle high school games, and he sent me. I met him. Go ahead. Uh, he just sent me the uh, his film two weeks ago and said this is the best game he's played in his career because he you know he follows oh, okay. what I do on on the the film rooms so mm-hmm. he sent me that to look at so that you know awesome. I'm I'm digging into some of that stuff with with nice. Abdul Carter this year and it, it's a huge resource man <laughs> awesome yeah so I met Bob at the Bishop McDevitt game we were both up on the top of the press box and uh, he did tell me I forgot to tell you that he did tell me uh, that that he knew you well and and we were talking about he said you know he's been watching these podcast so bob if you're watching man hey thanks, thanks. bob we hey bob you. i'll see you saturday shout out to bob long sports we'll, yeah uh, we'll chat then. he he i was watching the way he he films games man he can do like replays on his yeah. ipad and stuff yep. it's really cool it's super, uh, like again was, it's was, a super helpful resource for me because it, it you is. you have the film you have the replay you can see it it it's really cool uh, and and mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, speaking of of watching film from this year, uh, I watched Denai's first game back. Uh, you suggested I take a look at the first half of that, and holy cow, he changed <laughs> everything about his evaluation. Like mm-hmm. what we talked about during the film room, and we've talked about him before of his uh, his sophomore tape. He was a defensive tackle. He there's no like he was a he was a really fast defensive tackle. He is now fully mm-hmm. a defensive end. I, I I'm throwing mm-hmm. up some clips here so you can see the way he moves. It's fundamentally different. He's more explosive. Mm-hmm. He moves better in space. He's leaner. All of those things are translating to real like very real world advantages and looking like that five star defensive end. So I mean Penn State. Well, that's that it's they no, got just, uh, they got a star. Probably, like he is a really yeah. good prospect. And that was one thing I was trying to, um, and you know, you knew this, but like throughout the whole pandemic, he really transitioned his body, you know, and, and yeah. that was one thing I remember talking to you about when you're watching this film and, you know, yes, you'll, what you see here isn't what we're seeing out of camps. And of course you watch all that camp stuff too. So, so you knew that to some degree, but just seeing him uh, progress on the field with the pads on and, and, you know, all his hand, hand work and all that stuff. It's, it's really good to see. So I'm just really excited about this game, man. This is one that as soon as I knew Abdul Carter, uh, wasn't playing that McDevitt game, I had this one circle. Cause I was originally going to go see deny play earlier in the year too. And of course he was injured. So really excited about this. I will say, I'm going to try and see Makai flowers Friday night. They're playing mm-hmm. state college, uh, down in Harrisburg. That's a little, uh, you know, I can kind of, stop in Harrisburg and uh, and then go down to Baltimore the next day. So we'll we'll see. I'm, I have it penciled in at the moment. Uh, I've seen Makai, of course, you know, three or four times now. So yeah. and I'm sure uh, he see the East is playing pretty well. So I'm, I'm excited to maybe see them in the playoffs too. But um, hoping to squeeze that in if I can Friday night. But we're definitely going to Baltimore on Saturday, no doubt. Uh, last thing before we get into Ryan Snyder's best bets is uh, there was a commitment this week. 
And yes. four-star cornerback Lamont Payne uh, committed to the Nittany Lions for the class of 2023. He is the second player in the class now. So can you take us through what you know about the, re- the recruiting process for Lamont? He's a guy that you, uh, you know, before the Whiteout weekend said, keep your eye out for this. Going all the way back to the Lash Bash, he was a guy that you said, keep your eye on. How did that all go down? And uh, what was, you know, kind of your impression of his recruiting process? Yeah, well, you know, I've hit on, I think we've talked, how, we've talked about Lamont Payne, I think, more than anybody on yeah. this podcast, which is a good thing. It's a good yeah, thing. It also, because- it'll get Lamont Wade out of my brain and keeps it so I don't, I don't <laughs> say, because uh, I'm sorry, a cornerback named Lamont from Pittsburgh, I'm going to make that mistake at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely typed it. I'll say that. And then, you know, at least I get the backspace, though. It's a little different than on these uh, podcasts. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, Lamont got an offer. It's like what last eight or this past April. Um, so you know, April, 2021. And we, we knew then that Penn state was really interested, but he was one of those guys that they really wanted to get on campus as well. He came up the first week that they had camps and, and was great. And I've mentioned this a couple of times. I mean, he, he was really one of the only players, uh, at least at that camp that was able to stick with, with Caden Saunders. And I think that left a big impression. And now I, I, I wasn't at the camp, so I don't want to say like, yeah, he locked down Caden Saunders. Cause I've seen some people type that, uh, and clearly they were watching the podcast. So thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I don't know if he locked down Caden Saunders because I haven't seen anybody lock down Caden Saunders. So I want to stress that. Uh, but he did a good job keeping up. Uh, that was the one thing that that context really stressed after that camp. Is, and that's really where he went from a guy that they like and they're going to monitor his film to a guy that they love and they want to get committed immediately. So long story short, uh, fast forward to two weeks later, he comes back for a personal visit. That personal visit gives him every little um, gives him all the time with the staff, you know, all, all the all the film room time uh, with Terry Smith, that one on one time with James Franklin. Another another month later, comes back for the lash bash. He gets that family experience, that that time with all the commits, you know, doing the oh, what is it? They do a, a tour around uh, scavenger around hunt. Campus. Yes, thank you. Scavenger yeah. hunt, doing the scavenger hunt with uh, all the other players and. And, you know, so I guess what I'm trusting there is it's three different kind of visits where you really learn everything. You know, that personal visit, you get to do all the the one on one talks, you know, learn about academics and you come back for the last bash, get to meet the players, get to meet the commits. And when you get those kind of visits and plus you add in the camp, which means he gets to work with Terry Smith and, and understand what he's like as a coach. When you add that all together, he really was one of those guys who just knew what Penn State had to offer. I mean, there really right. wasn't much more that he had to see except for a game. And that, that of course, was this past weekend. So we knew he was going to commit uh, in the days leading up to it. Uh, we, I, sp- I think I spoke with him. Well, we spoke with him a lot, actually, over the 10 days leading up to it. But, you know, we did an interview. I think it was Thursday night. And I I will say, I, I think James, James Franklin uh, was genuinely surprised uh, because, man, I, I watched that uh, the commitment. We knew he was doing a, the handshake at midfield. I'm going to commit to James then. And, uh, James was absolutely ecstatic. So, just a good pickup, man. This is a good player. You can break down this film. You've already kind of done it. But off the field, on the field, there's a lot to like. He has been playing with an injury this year, so I've been stressing that to people when, when you look at his film now yeah. and compare it maybe to last year a little bit. you know, He definitely was playing with a lower body injury. I don't know all the specifics. I do know that he is back. I don't know if he's 100% though. Um, I am curious. I, I will go out there and see him at some point. So um, just, just curious to watch his progress. But 
everything off the field's great. And oh, by the way, he's very good friends with uh, a lot of top players in Pittsburgh. So to have that guy uh, with a foot in the door already welcoming in uh, Tamir Robinson, the Robbie Gallagher's, the Quentin Martins, all those guys, uh, it, it's a big it's a big boost for Penn State's efforts in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, and and uh, a really good player. It, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, one of the benefits is you get to see some of the stuff that we're talking about. Threw up a couple of uh, the breakdowns I did for T. Frank's Film Room. Shameless plug. This is T. Frank's Film Room. You can find it on our YouTube channel only on our YouTube channel. And, of course, we do have a breakdown of a, a simple kind of rundown at bwi.rivals.com of Lamont Payne. He's the four-star cornerback that we did this week. Uh, looking into some of his skills, and if you're again, if you're watching our YouTube show, you saw exactly what he brings to the table. And if you want to get into some more about how that injury has kind of affected his evaluation, because it is obvious on film, and we get into that uh, in in the breakdown, he is a very good player at finding the football. This is another one of those situations where Penn State has been prioritizing finding guys with instincts, and I think they found another guy that has those. And then the question then becomes, I think, on his on his evaluation is, okay, he was a, uh, a a sophomore last season, super impressive. That's where he put all that ball production on film. Where has he gone, you know, a la Deny Dennis Sutton, changing his body in one year? Where has he progressed in that athletic profile? It's hard to read right now with the injury, so that's kind of what we're holding off on. But for if you want the full breakdown of all of his skills, because it's not just finding the football. He's good at a lot of different things. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube page. And that is actually a good uh, thing to bring up here because it's not just our YouTube page. we got all kinds of great content at Blue White Illustrated. Visit bluewhiteillustrated.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news like you got here, but you get more on the inside. You would have had these little nuggets from Ryan a week and a half ago if you were part of our premium <laughs> message board, the Lions Den Forum, for more inf insider information and to be on the cutting edge of knowledge. The October issue also out on our newsstands featuring Penn State's Freaks List and other exclusive content for Blue White Illustrated. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service at 800-421-7751. And of course, another, I'm just going to throw it up here again because I spent a lot of time on this graphic. Uh, <laughs> it was nice. Our YouTube like page. Our YouTube page where you get all the information, all the, the down low from me from uh, T. Frank's Film Room to the BWI Daily Edition to the Recruiting Podcast and our live shows post-game for Penn State football season. All kinds of oh. content coming at you from every angle from Bluewood Illustrated. The live show has been awesome. Man, I, I uh, you know, we, we've been, I've been listening in, um, you know, just, uh, I usually stay back in the press box while the guys go down and I usually get stories ready and all that. And I've been listening to the live show and I think you and Tom are really good together. I really, I'm not trying to uh, kiss butt right now or anything like that, but you guys are doing a great job with that. And I don't know how you like, you break it down quick, man. Like I need to, like, usually for me, I need to watch the game again when I'm in the press box. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. usually also like cutting photos and doing different things, but um yeah, man, you, you guys you guys break it down really well. Tom Tom's a heck of a heck of a uh, a broadcaster. We'll say yeah, uh, he, he, yeah. You can tell. I mean, his he's he's, he's he can, awesome. He can, it, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know you're you're a fan of wrestling. Uh, if you've watched WWE, unfortunately, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I think Tom knows this already. I I've never really watched wrestling, so I I never mm -hmm. actually saw him do his craft. But uh, he was formerly Tom Phillips on WWE, and he is a phenomenal broadcaster. He's another guy I've known since college. We were in Com Radio together, so all my buddies and I are just covering Penn State football now, and it's it's a ton of fun. And you know what? 
you you bring that up. It, it is one of the advantages of I love being at the game live because you get mm-hmm. all of the things. But from an from a review perspective, I have a phenomenal replay system. <laughs> yeah. I, I can I can watch things and I can do stuff at home that I could not do at the game. And as much as I miss all of that and being you know in that environment, being able to see what coverage is being run. Uh, you know, it is invaluable to have the ability to just go in and replay things however I want. So uh, it, I'm giving you instant analysis. It's not always the most refined because I don't have two days to break it down like I will for the Monday show or for my film review. Mm-hmm. But I do give you the broad strokes of what the basic plan was for each team uh, in the game. So you'll get that for Villanova and some some broad strokes of what Penn State did or didn't do during that game on the post game show. Okay. Enough of me talking about me. We got to get to your oh, thing, which hold on I... one second. Oh, oh, okay, what's up? Never mind. I was no, going to no, say, no. do you want to talk one thing real quick sure. before we do best bets? We can. I, I can... wanted. To, do you want to? Let's talk about uh, Villanova and, and the guys coming in for for the recruits. Oh yes, you know, I, I got a handful of names so far. I figured it'd be good to, to throw a couple of them out there. Yes, I so, jumped the gun. So My bad. It's all good. So Sean Battle, cornerback uh, from, from Newman Garetti, is expected to come up. And uh, he's another guy in those boats that I think Penn State's really trying to watch this film right now to, to get a feel for, um, you know, just how hard they're going to pursue him. Uh, right now, I, I do think uh, that he's someone that can realistically end up in this class. So let's just see how his film progresses during the season. We'll get a better feel for that. But uh, he was up for the Lash Bash. And whenever Penn State's inviting you to the Lash Bash, uh, you're, you're a pretty important prospect. So we're expecting him to get his first visit in this weekend. And then two more guys I really want to mention. We have a, a deeper list on the website, but two guys I want to bring up. Uh, Dylan Senda, he's a 6'5", 274 center or guard potentially uh, from Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, Dylan camped with Penn State in the summertime, so he's going to come back now uh, for, for a visit. Uh, he ran a 4'7 shuttle at 280 pounds. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty good number. So uh, show, show fairly quick feet. And, you know, Penn State, like I said, they Penn State's definitely looking for a quality center prospect, and, and he yeah. could potentially uh, fit that. And I think Alex Birchmeyer could be a heck of a center, too. That's what I really wrote after his commitment. Uh, but we'll see how it progresses. So he's he's another, um, you know, just like Kobe Keenum, another center kind of guard to, to keep an eye on for. And then one other guy I really want to mention is Robert Sweeney. He's a offensive tackle prospect uh, from from Dallas, Texas. He's coming all the way up from Dallas, man. So, uh, yeah. you know, they, there, there must be a pretty good relationship there. I haven't got to know Robert too much yet. I'll definitely be reaching out to him after the game. Uh, but he has all early offers from Arizona State, Florida State, and Maryland, as well as Penn State. And, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to to learning more about his relationship uh, with the staff because, uh, like I said, man, whenever you're making the trip uh, from Dallas, Texas, to watch Penn State Villanova, yeah. you must have a serious interest in Penn State uh, <laughs> there, over, you know, waiting for another game. Maybe there are, this is the only game his schedule worked for. I'm not sure. But there are no direct really flights into State no. College from, te- from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I assume he's flying to Pittsburgh. It was funny talking yeah. to all the recruits uh, who came here for the whiteout and had to fly. And, you know, they're always like, yeah, I had to go to Philly or I had to go to Pittsburgh and I had to drive two and a half hours. And, you know, you get halfway through that drive and they're like, where the hell am I? <laughs> it, was yep. fun. it was fun. Those are usually the the talk or the quotes I leave out of the stories. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's nothing negative or anything. But yeah, uh, a bunch of them were just like, yeah, you know, I flew from Pittsburgh or I, you know, drove from Pittsburgh to State College and halfway through and I'm up in these mountains and I have no idea where we're at. It was, it was fun. You know, a lot of these kids are from, you know, places that uh, are very different than Central Pennsylvania. We'll leave it yeah. at that. So, yeah. All right. Time for uh, best bets. Let's okay. Go. Here we go. Okay. So here is our list for the week, as always. 
we go with uh, the game that we cover in Penn State and their weekly opponent. But here is the rest of the lineup from Ryan. So give us your breakdown of Ryan's best bets this week. All right. So first off, everybody's mad at me because I'm not picking better games. And I want to clarify that this is not uh, Ryan's favorite games of the week. These aren't the best games to watch. (laughs) <laughs> or the you know, the best games to watch this week. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to go, of course, with Villanova, Penn State. We'll talk about that at the end. Uh, I like Notre Dame, Wisconsin. I like a, I like Wisconsin there. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Buffalo at Old Dominion. And of course, LSU at Mississippi State. So since everybody hates the fact that I'm talking about games that don't matter, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we will start with the one that maybe doesn't matter to many people, which is Buffalo at Old Dominion. You love uh, these look, Mac teams. You love the yeah. Mac. I, you, you're finding the because, value there. Okay, so I okay. First off, I gotta clarify one thing before we get into this game. I'm 11 and nine on the year. I mm-hmm. really should be 12 and eight. Did I don't know if you watched Boise State last week, but they got absolutely hosed. I, I had a two and four week last week. Should have been three and three. Boise State has a fumble uh, that they pick up, scoop and score, and some ref decides to blow the whistle when the uh, the Boise State defender is 20 yards out. Of course, it ends up being a fumble when they review it. Yeah. Boise ball goes all the way back to there, and then Boise State's offense isn't able to punch it in. So I'm still a little pissed off about that, if I'm being honest, because that should have been a, a ref three with a three. quick whistle. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Penn State fans uh, know all about bad refereeing last week. There was, dude, there's bad refereeing everywhere. That was the one thing I really learned Sunday uh, when I was recapping the the week in college football. So it, it is what it is. We're this two is and a, four. Uh, this is a total side conversation, uh, but I, I was part of an interview a couple years ago where I, you know, the, the topic was referees are a dying breed. Like there is no one going into refereeing. So that's part of the problem is like you probably have guys that are working a bunch of games or that are brand new or that, you know, whatever, like you're you're incompetent, but there's nobody to replace you. So I think that's a real problem. Who would want to do that in in 2021 with social media and just, you know, the I mean, man, when you make a bad call, it's not like it used to be where you read it in the paper and, you know, some people in your town will give you, a, you know, a hard time about it. Like we talked about it for four days on this channel. Four days yeah. we talked about it. Yeah. I, I, I normally feel bad for the refs, uh, especially when, you know, there's those like some targeting calls are hard and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who kind of feels for them sometimes. Obviously missing a down and some of those other calls are inexcusable, but man, it's a hard job. So, yeah. but I'm still really mad at that uh, that Boise State that uh, was it Oklahoma State ref last week. Ah, well, the best been thing a three to, and three week. The best thing to do in that situation is nothing. Like you exactly. don't don't do anything, and you have the saving grace of replay. I like I know that I know that like the best thing for me to do in that situation would be like oh I don't know I'm gonna let replay take care of it. It's a turnover, but no, yeah. the quick whistle and and that's a bummer. That that is and, a bummer. And we're like you know. Obviously, replay has been around for like almost a decade now, but we're we're about three, four years into it since that whole like uh, the fumble and not blowing the whistle rule. You know, that was really yeah. kind of changed. I don't know. I would think it was like three, four, five years ago where that that was a major emphasis of let the play go out. And, and we still see that all the time, though. Why, why would you why are you blowing the whistle? Like, yeah. you think it wasn't a fumble. Like, just just don't touch it. Let the play play out. It's just so 
Yeah. That's just one of those ones that are so silly to me. Like your your rep is to, your job rep is to not do anything. And of course you just gotta put your freaking <laughs> whistle into it and you know, screw everything up. So okay, we're dragging us on here. Let's get this out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna start with uh Buffalo at Old Dominion, uh, and I will take Buffalo minus thirteen. I think okay. Maurice Lindquist has a pretty good squad. Uh, I watched them against Coastal Carolina. Of course, I oh I should have had the over in Coastal Carolina Buffalo last week too. I'm not going to go on a tangent on that, but uh, Coastal Carolina throws a an interception uh, at the goal line, which you know if all they needed was one more touchdown. Of course, that would have went over. So it really should have yeah. been a four and two week. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, I love Ricky Ronnie. Let's like I'm sure everybody here listening loves Ricky, but um, they, they 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 have a lot of recruiting to do. I, yes. I don't think that roster is is very deep right now so recruiting really needs to be an emphasis for them and of course with, with the pandemic and everything last year they, they were really you know had one hand tied behind their back as far as you know they scouting. didn't play right they didn't no play they it. didn't yeah old dominion yeah. didn't play at all yeah, they didn't even but even play. just like from a from a scouting and recruiting perspective yes they kept recruiting but it was just to, for that to be your first full recruiting class is that's incredibly true. difficult you yeah know? so so that I think that really kind of hurt them. You know, they brought in some decent transfers. I saw, I think Zach Coots got a touchdown last week, um, or at least against Hampton, I believe he did. So happy for him. But uh, look, I think Buffalo is a solid squad. Uh, like I said, I watched them play uh, Coastal Carolina. They're not turning the ball over. I think they have just one turnover on the year. Yes, Old Dominion beat up on Hampton, but man, Wake rolled over them. It was like 42 to 10. I think Liberty rolled 45 17. Yes. Uh, Buffalo isn't either of those teams, uh, but but I I think they're a pretty physical team, man. That's really what I I saw in that Coastal Carolina game. They can run the ball well too, and and yeah. that's that's gonna think be the difference. I think they're gonna they're gonna beat Old Dominion in the trenches, and, and in, in the second half, man, they're they're really gonna beat down on them. So uh, only given two touchdowns here. Yes, it is on the road, um, and I, I don't expect Old Dominion to be too much of a hostile environment. I yeah. hope uh, Ricky Ronnie and his staff. Uh, I wish them all the best moving forward. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, a lot of guys on their staff. They, they were great people when they were up here. But I gotta, I gotta take the Bulls on this one minus thirteen. Going with your head, not with your heart. That's kind of what yep. the game is, right? Uh, <laughs> let's go to the next one so that people like to talk about this game a little more. It is the sexy game of the week with the most juice because it mm-hmm. is Notre Dame, Wisconsin at Soldier Field. So what are you seeing in this yeah. game? That should be fun, man. That's going to yeah. be a fun tailgate out at Soldier yeah. Field, out there on the lake, man. Uh, it's a shame it's a noon start, and I'm, I'm sure uh, both fan bases are annoyed by that after paying a pretty uh, pretty price for those tickets. But yeah. anyway, look, I just don't think Notre Dame's very good. Uh, I had Florida State earlier in the year. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. What we I had, we had Florida State earlier in the year. Um, look, Florida State gashed. Uh, Notre Dame. I think it was like 264 yards rushing in that game. Toledo had 124 yards rushing against them two weeks ago. And for some reason, Purdue tried to throw the ball 54 times last week. Why? I'll, I'll just never kind of understand that. But um, look, th- this is this is this is a perfect matchup, I think, for Wisconsin. They should be able to control uh, both li- both lines of scrimmage. Uh, Ohio, or excuse me, <laughs> Notre Dame's offensive line is not very good this year. I think their defensive line is is really getting pushed around a lot. And look, I've never been a big fan of Jack Cohn. Now he's going against his old team here. You know, you know, Wisconsin's defense is going to be fired up. You know, they already have one loss that um, you know I think some people would argue they should have beat Penn State in that game. So I- I'll-, I'll lay the six here. I think I, th- I think this will be a low scoring game. 
Uh, I could see, I actually kind of like the under two at 46. I could see this being like a 21 17 kind of game if if Notre Dame sticks with it. But I I think the final score is going to be something like uh, 24 17 or 24 14. I I just don't expect Notre Dame to put up some points against that uh, defense. And in the end, I expect uh, Wisconsin on both sides, uh, offense and defensive line, to to take advantage of a rebuilding Notre Dame uh, squad. Yeah, especially when we we saw that Wisconsin line up front, the defensive line about what they can do to an offense that either an offensive line that isn't communicating or might not be, mm-hmm. you know, up to snuff because they they are fast and they get after you. And, uh, you know, when we were talking to Jake Kokorowski uh, that week and he told me that they were doing less two gapping, they're going to be more aggressive with their defensive line. I was like, well, that's a problem because mm-hmm. you've looked at some of the guys that have come through that Wisconsin offensive line. The only thing that was holding them back was their responsibilities, uh, you mm-hmm. know, as far as their their ability to play both run and pass. Um this is also Wisconsin's coming off a bye, right? They they yep. had their off week this week, so they're coming into this game fresh. Do you think that that uh, Graham Mertz can kind of pull it back together? Because if there's one thing that uh, that Notre Dame does have usually is they do reload on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, do they have enough playmakers that you've seen to frustrate that offense? Oh, they definitely have a good uh, secondary. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, again, I, I I don't think it's going to be about Graham Mertz. It's going to be about uh, Ched's Was it Malusi? Malusi, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be about him. I, I expect them to just run the hell out of the ball and and really take advantage of a of a front seven for Notre Dame that just hasn't hasn't had success uh, shutting down the run this year. So that that's what I see. You know, if if Mertz can can kind of just be more of a game manager in this situation, you know, get it to get a touchdown, not don't turn it over. You know, he has some really silly turnovers in that Penn State game. And, and yeah. if you, you take them away, that game's a different kind of game, I think. So, yeah. you know, I, I I think Penn State's defense is better than Notre Dame's defense. Uh, 24-14, that, that's kind of the, the score I see here. And, and I would expect uh, Wisconsin to rush for at least 200 yards, probably well, well beyond that. So you said you're taking the points in this one, or are you taking the under, uh, uh, under and the points? Uh, we're going to do Wisconsin minus six, but okay. I also – like I like under 46 too. So either, yeah. either one there, I don't really have much of a gripe with, but for my official play, we'll do Wisconsin minus six. Let's flash this up here one more time for our last game before Penn state. So you can see the full list that we've gone through so far. What you don't see up there is our conversation about the referees, but our last one, LSU <laughs> at Mississippi state. Whew. This one feels a little tricky to me. What, what are you looking at I, in this one? I love this. Yeah. I love this one. Yeah, I think LSU is not very good, man. Period. Yeah, I just I, I'm not a fan of the air raid. Uh, that's just that's I'm just not. The... I'm not either. I'm I'm not either. But look, but look, they they've played three quality opponents so far. Louisiana Tech's a good team. NC State's a good team. Memphis is a good team. They they really should have beat Memphis last year. I don't know if if you or last week did you see that that punt that where they thought was down, but then the guy picks it up and takes it to the house. I don't know if you saw that highlight, but. Uh, that that was definitely a mistake by the refs. I think there was like two errors on on that uh, on that play. So, mm-hmm. uh, but but look, I think just Mississippi State has been tested more. They're at home here, and remember they romped LSU last year. That was that yeah. was an embarrassing loss for LSU. And I just think they're they're tested more. So whenever I can get plus three, uh, give me the cowbells. You know, it, it is an early start down <laughs> yeah. there, but uh, their fans will be ready to go. Uh, I do think UCLA is a pretty good team, and and they 
we got to learn a little bit. Of course, LSU lost that game. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they played Central Central Michigan last week. Central Michigan put 21 points up on LSU. You know, that yeah. shouldn't that should never be happening against LSU uh, defenses that, uh, you know, we, at least we've, we've come to expect. So, yeah, getting three, I can see this being a, you know, a, I actually kind of like Mississippi State uh, in the money line, which I believe is like plus 140-ish. Uh, if, you, if you're looking for a, a nice uh, dog in a, in a juicy money line, I, I like Mississippi State a lot, actually. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take the three at home. Um, LSU has done nothing to show me that uh, they're they're the LSU that we would expect. And Mississippi State, you know, they're two and one on the year. Excuse me, I almost hit my mic over. Uh, they're, they're two and one on the year, should really be three and L. And, uh, you know, their, their, their games have all been against quality opponents. So I just, I feel like I, I feel like they're going in the right direction and, and LSU, they feel like the same LSU we saw last year. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we what I said week one is, uh, the only thing I trust less than Chip Kelly is Ed Ogeron without Joe Brady (laughs) making him look good. And Mm -hmm. this is the same situation last year. LSU and just from a from a schematic perspective, the air raid is is kind of simple in a, in a, in a certain way. Of it it's testing you vertically, and what you do is you play coverage. What teams have done against Penn State, that's what you do. You just drop four into the deep secondary, and if you want to, hell, drop eight, and you're fine. And then you just rally and tackle. LSU played man coverage, nose to nose, and they lost big. Are they going to make that mistake again? Because it's like. It's it's not it's not it's not that hard. It's not that much of a complicated uh, mathematical formula. But is Ed Ogeron and is that defensive staff willing to change? And do they have do they have the ability to stay disciplined and not do something like that? Because Mike Leach's offense, I think you've seen it. It will go for 500 yards passing, and then it will go for 184. And it just mm-hmm. depends on whether or not you are disciplined enough to not get annoyed by the dink and dunk because that's what's going to happen. And and to me, that's why I say I don't like this game at all because I don't trust LSU, but I really don't trust that offense to consistently put up points and and meaningful points in games. That's that's my biggest problem with this matchup of why I would not put – I would try and stay away from this one. But I agree with you as far More as – More cowbell, like... baby. More cowbell. <laughs> dude, the... dude, 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 it's so annoying. I'd be so annoyed if I was a Way fan down there. But go on. Sorry. That, that was actually – that was our thing uh, growing up. My uh, my high school, we had the cowbell because we were. Oh I, really? It was a farmer high. Like literally, my entire <laughs> high school was surrounded by dairy farms. Uh, they yeah. they nicknamed the field the pasture of pain. <laughs> so we had cowbells the whole time. Yeah, that's a high school though. Like four or five hundred people. Like you know, imagine like sixty thousand cowbells. Oh my yeah. god, it's so annoying. Yeah, that's like the seminal. Oh, it's oh, so annoying too. But. Uh, so let's oh, get into stop. our last game. Let's get into Penn State Villanova. Uh, the yep. line is pretty steep here. So what are you looking at? Uh, you're are you taking Penn State with the points here? Or are you are you no. looking at a play that you want to do elsewhere? Over. I I kind of I'm kind of leaning over 54 here. Uh, okay. We we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the show. Villanova can score, and yes, they're. I don't expect them to score against Penn State's top top defense. Uh, but what I do expect is for Penn State to be up pretty healthy uh, going in the in that second half. Uh, I actually I've been trying to find a first half line on Penn State, and I, I haven't seen too many books put it out yet. But if there's a first half line of minus seventeen, uh, I, I would be very interested in that. I I 
like it's would this be in an FBS versus FCS game? Some some books kind of stay away from that stuff because they know sharps will take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, but if you find a minus seventeen for first half for Penn State, I like it. So I I haven't found that yet though. Let's see if they put it out. Uh, I, you know, I looked today to I, I looked. Uh, a little bit earlier when I was doing this and I could not find the game listed. Uh, I know you look at a yeah. couple different places. I I literally signed up for one sports book so that I could make these graphics for you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm getting my education uh, in this stuff and I did not find Penn State Villanova. I assumed I did something wrong. <laughs> so I'm yeah, glad to no, know that most, that's not the case. <laughs> most of these books will wait for FBF, FCS games like this. They'll wait uh-huh. until, you know, today or like even sometimes they won't put them out so early tomorrow morning. If they get... There are a couple of books that have it up now, though. And and like I said, over 54, I, I, I expect Penn State to be able to get into the 40s here. So yeah. can Villanova basically score a touchdown or maybe get two or 10 points late in the game against, you know, uh, Penn State's second and third stringers? You know, we haven't seen a lot of those. You know, we got a little bit of Ball State. But yeah. normally, uh, if you look back on previous years, James really likes to play his young guys early in the year, loves to get them yep. as many reps as possible, especially with that four-game red shirt rule now. So I really expect to see the young guys a lot in the second half. And, again, Villanova actually has a pretty good offense. They, they, they're they averaging 45 points a year now. So – or 45 points on the season now. So – yeah, I, I I think this could be a forty-eight ten kind of game, something like that, and uh, I think I think we'll we'll see Nova put up some some late points. So that's what I will lean. I mean, yeah, Penn State. I mean, if Penn State fans are going to bet this, they're probably going to bet Penn State minus twenty-nine, and that seems simple. Yeah, I just again, I, I think we're going to see a lot of backups in this game. I also I, one thing I will also say though is I think you're going to see Tuikon Roberson, uh, maybe even Christian Veyu a good bit, and yeah. you know those guys are going to be motivated to score. And especially yep. some of the other younger guys who haven't gotten the reps on offense. So I do expect Penn State to keep scoring at the end. Uh, that's why I'm just going to go with the over here. I think Villanova will get some late points. I think Penn State will get some late points. You know, I mean, Clifford should Clifford in the first unit should get at least four to five touchdowns, depending on when they're when they're pulled. Yep. So I, I just I, I think once we get to the fourth quarter, uh, you'll see Villanova, you know, do their best to get to get two touchdowns. And I, I think you could get one out of Taquan Roberson and, and you know, we'll see a 48 to 10 kind of game. So, all right. So let's let's uh, let's roll back and let's recap what we got so far. And you can tell us here as I put it, this fancy thing back up. So yep. once again, uh, roll through your picks this week about what you're looking for in these yep. four games. So we're 11 and 9 ATS on the season. Really should be better than that, but I won't take your time. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo minus 13 over uh, Old Dominion. Uh, I'll take Wisconsin minus six against Notre Dame. I think the, they should they should really uh, have success in the rushing game. Uh, Mississippi State getting three at home against LSU. If you find a good money line on Mississippi State, don't be afraid to take it. Uh, but I'll, I'll take the three points for my play. And then I will take over 54 in the Penn State Villanova game. Uh, I expect a, a motivated Twaycon Roberson to try and put up some late points. I expect Penn State's, you know, second, third string defensive backs late in the game to to maybe give away a, a touchdown or two for Villanova. And uh, we'll look at uh, 48 to 10, 48 14. That's that's what I expect the score to be. Ryan Snyder giving you recruiting inside information, and he's helping out your pocketbook all in the same show. Thanks so much for this. I enjoy and I look forward to our Fridays. Love it, man. This, it works out well for me. We get get this done in the morning. I hit the road. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Let's so, win some money, though. 
Yeah, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it today for uh, the BWI Daily Edition. That'll do it for this week. Don't forget, coming up 15 minutes after the game, uh, BWI Live, the post-game show on YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to YouTube and to our podcast, wherever you get the podcast, because shortly after we're done with the show, we do post an audio version in case you missed it live. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you then.